touchline takes. Touchline Takes Podcast. Excuse me for being excited, people. Welcome back, everybody, to another fabulous, fantastic, amazing, awesome, all the... Oh, yeah. All the sort of good things you can think of. Mm-hmm. Because this is Touchline Takes, and it's been a while. It has oh, been wow. a minute, Cameron. Um, a lot going on. Both of us have been busy. You know, we have mm-hmm. some exciting stuff about to drop as well. Um, but once again, it is great to be here. It's great to, you know, be talking about the things we love, which, of course, is football. Um, a lot of awesome stuff happening since we last spoke. A lot of big moves, a lot of big things. Oh man, what do you mm. have there? Is that ginger ale? A little, a little shard. Oh yes, ginger ale for the <laughs> ginger. We're po- posting this on YouTube. Definitely just a little ginger ale. So this is a Not family friendly kids. video. Mm. Not for kids. Mm. Um, so we got Cameron with a little ginger ale today mm-hmm. um, for you audio listeners. Um, but no, Cameron, what do you? What have you been up to? I mean, I feel like I haven't spoke to you in forever. Man, okay, so uh, I, I told you right that I joined a Sunday League team, right? And I've been kind of playing that for a little while now. Right, it's like eighty years and older league, right? That, Pretty that's much. What it is. Yeah, that's just what it me is. tearing it up, doing Rabonas on grandmothers. You know how it is. <laughs> um, yeah, so I joined a little Sunday league, and I also joined a Thursday league. Um, However, uh, there's a couple of reasons why I haven't been able to play for like literally the past month. So I did something to my knee. Um, I'm getting older apparently, and that's that's the kind of thing that happens now. And I put think you in a nursing home pretty soon. Really, I mean, we should probably make a Touchline Takes Patreon so that we can afford my uh, <laughs> my retirement in the nursing home. Uh, maybe New Rock Holdings uh, of the USL could help me out with that. They're a big real estate. Um, they got a lot of that stuff going on. Uh, yeah. So between that and then. I'm in Florida, as some of you may know, and this time of the year is just, it rains every day. Uh, Pretty much around afternoon, you're guaranteed to get, you know, rain, lightning, thunder, thunder and lightning are kind of one and the same, but regardless, yeah, so we get that. Uh, So pretty much what's been happening is every Thursday I've had a game canceled, lightning, so haven't been able to play any of those. Same thing's been going on with my Sunday games. So, yeah, the money I paid for this league is really, really, really good value. Do 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 you get any of that like money back if like you don't play don't, a certain number of games or? Like... I don't think so. I mean, they're really trying to make up the games. Um, like we're supposed to have a doubleheader tomorrow for my Thursday league if it happens. Uh, we were supposed to have a doubleheader last week, so now we're like already a couple games behind. It's uh, it's not going well, man. But it's it's a lot of fun. It's good exercise when it does happen. Um, other than that, man, I've been I've been picking up a lot of kits. I don't know if you noticed, but we got a uh, Ragantino kit. And Ragantino. man, we this bite. we we got it all. Yeah, Carl's been wearing that kit quite a bit lately. I think uh, I, I, I have. You call yourself a, pa- no, a Palmeiras fan, but it seems like uh, you're more of a Bahia fan lately. This, this kit's just so beautiful, man. The colors, the red, the blue. Just everything about it is mm. is just fantastic. Um, not that I don't like the Palmeiras kit, but I just I feel like you know it's I I don't wash this thing. Like this is this is my good luck kit. Like, it is a pretty know, classic when, kit. It looks it, nice. It, it, it's clean. Pretty classic. It's clean. It, it does have tons of like sponsors on the yeah. arm and on the back, but you know it's. it's well, that's what's cool about this one. It doesn't have a lot. It just has that one. And what's cool even is it has the. Uh, um, I don't think this this I'm not sure if this is like the state championship badge or if it's like the thing but dude this one is from 1990 oh, that's before I was <laughs> it's like even the print the printing the way it's done like you can tell it's like a, an old old kit it's crazy mm-hmm. got a pretty good that's deal awesome. on it though so I, you know you know how I am I'm always looking for a deal got a couple more that I'll be sharing but 
That brings me to something that uh, Touchline takes is trying to share with the world. So, um, one, if you haven't already and you're into kits, um, go check out our video or our uh, episode with Glosso Kits. Uh, great guys out of Florida. Uh, if you want to support a, a small business, definitely go ahead and buy from them. Um, sometimes shipping can be expensive to buy from classic football short, uh, shorts, classic football shirts, uh, <laughs> or, shorts, or if you want, or shorts. shorts, you could, they, they usually have shorts on sale there. So, I mean, you know, go for it. Um, the shipping can be expensive. It can take a little while. So if you want somebody in your, in the United States to buy kits from mm. definitely check them out. But we also wanted to try a new little thing. Um, we know there's plenty of people out there that have football kits and they are looking to show them off. Um, so we want to start a little thing on Twitter called fresh kit Fridays. And all you got to do is just hashtag fresh kit Friday and we'll hit you with a retweet. We're trying to fill the timeline with kits, any kit, big team, little team, uh, your rec league team. We don't care. We're going to retweet team camera. I wanted, do you have a kit for the Sunday league? Uh, it's like an AliExpress uh, Juventus kit with the Jeep sponsorship, literally just because my uh, team captain has a Jeep and really likes Jeep. So that's why she got them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's, that's funny. You bring it up. Um, the other day at work, I was telling one of my coworkers, I'm like, and for backstory, for those of you who don't know, I haven't played soccer since probably third grade. It, it, it's been that long. Like I've kicked around a ball, mm. like, you know, after a few drinks or something playing around with some friends, but I haven't played like competitive soccer in about 16 years. Gotta get um, you out there. Well, that's the thing. I'm like, I'm really starting to like, look around. Like, do I join like one of these, like, you know, just leagues just to get out there and just mm. you know not only is it good exercise but yeah oh yeah um i think i'll like i'll be a lot more appreciative of the sport mm-hmm. um I, i'll probably be god awful but you know sorry right, man it's just about teamwork especially on on these teams you know it's about picking out a good pass and just just playing as a team and you know <laughs> like you don't need any heroes on a sunday league team i, I need- want to be the I want to be that hero though sometimes. <laughs> um, but anyways, Cameron, that's that's awesome to hear. Um, I, f- I feel like the weather's been the same here in Ohio. It's just really? raining all the time, all the time. It's huh. crazy, man. Um, we were actually in Boston this past weekend, um, which was really nice. Get back to the Northeast. Mm. Cousin got married. Um, nice. Shout Congrats. out cousin. Actually got married for the second time um, to the same person, but they had a wedding last year. And then they oh, had one the of the bigger, okay. So, okay. yeah. So, um, cool. not that he got married twice. In this. <laughs> I know. It's like, <laughs> do you need to mention that detail? Um, so, no, it's been good. Um, watching a lot of soccer when I can now mm. that the Euros and Copa America are over. Um, Gold Cup, baby. Gold Cup. Oh, man. I, it's actually funny. I was at work and I got a TV next to my desk and I flipped on, I think it was like Canada and like Martinique or something like this. Mm-hmm. And like everybody's just like looking at me like, are you crazy? Like, do you, who even cares about this? I'm like, I care about this. Like this. this Look, it's it's CONCACAF, you know, we, we don't have CONCACAF. much. There's only so many premier matches to watch. So. Yeah, and we're going to take an interest in Martinique. How about the curveball, though, having, you know, Cutter in the Gold Cup? I mean, it's... <laughs> Man, I get it. You know, like, they're they're trying to get some competition in. They want to they wanna get in the minds of the general football consciousness out there. But it is weird. I know uh, it's kind of like how Japan gets invited to Conway Bowl competitions quite a bit. I think... Cutter's been invited a couple editions yeah. as well. And, and, and I mean, the U.S. has played in the Copa America. Yeah. Um, not maybe not in the last decade, I don't think, or maybe I, I'm not sure. But um, hmm. I know a few times they have been. So it happens. I mean, and like yeah. you said, Cutter, outside of the Asian championships, like I don't think that sort of region of qualification has a lot of like tournaments. Um, for them to compete in so no, you know, that's a good point. Actually. I wonder if that's just because of the the length of travel I think um, I think I was reading somewhere a while back that the the AFC like Champions mm-hmm. League 
I think they they spread it out sort of. They do like a an east and a west kind of qualification phase for it. Um, I could be totally wrong with that, but that would make sense, man. Like the AFC has got to be one of the hardest. Um, you know, people talk about travel in Europe, but like, man, can you imagine going from like Iraq to Korea or something? Yeah, or like Indonesia. Like, I mean, right. That's a that's a long haul. Or, or Australia's in AFC now. They didn't used our, to be. They used to be in the Oceania. Oceania. Yeah, yeah. Um, whatever that was. But yeah, they're in uh, they're in the AFC Champions League now. So so, so now who's in Oceania? Is it just New Zealand and a yeah, it's New Zealand Island. Yeah, New Zealand's kind of like um, they're kind of like uh, Canada in the way that now you know they've got their top flight league, but they've also got a, a couple teams playing in another team's league. Like uh, New Zealand has Wellington Phoenix that plays in the the A League. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean actually now that now that you reminded me, yeah, you could even uh, have a trip from like New Zealand all the way to uh, yeah Iraq or like Syria or something like that. So that's a haul, that's man. That's, that's so yeah, I I, I get why. I get why they're not running as many tournaments as CONCACAF did. Because, what, we just had the CONCACAF Nations League here, right? In the yeah, United that, States, that, that tournament, like, we created ourselves, you know, just to <laughs> get another another shot at defeating Mexico, which we finally did. So, yeah, um, yeah that's the thing. You, you have the Gold Cup. You have the Nations League. Um, the Olympics are going on right now too. Olympics, so. yeah, you have mm-hmm. the Olympics going on right now, um, which the U.S. unfortunately didn't qualify for. And how how confusing is that though? Like, I mean, you see every other country sending their top players. Like, did you see Spain's yeah. squad that's going no, to I the Olympics? Spain's squad that's going to the Olympics is you know Danny Almo's going. Like, I would say at least ten or eleven players who played on the Spain Euro team. He's really? playing on the Spanish Olympic team. Yeah. That's it, interesting it's, to me. It, I mean, I remember like Neymar went a little while back to try to like tw- get that, you know. Yeah. Don't yeah, they have no. a rule though where it's like there's only a certain amount of players over the age of like 23, I think, are allowed on a on a roster? Maybe. I could be wrong I, on that too. I, I know specifically Brazil, Danny Alves is is there playing for them. So <laughs> wow. that's at least that's <laughs> I don't know if he counts. He just as wanted two. a trip to Japan. <laughs> right. Danny Alves, any chance he can get to grab the glory, he's gonna mm. he's gonna do it. What a what a fascinating career he's had. Um but yeah, no, the Olympics are gonna be so much fun. I'm actually like really, really excited um about watching you know the competitive soccer in the olympics this year on both the men's and the women's side and it's wide open on the women's (laughs) side with the u.s losing today like well i just remember you know it's kind of funny before you go much farther on that uh you had mentioned that the united states men didn't qualify um do you i don't know if you remember but there's a tweet i sent you a while ago i'm probably not going to be able to find it but uh there was an espn journalist who was like talking about oh yeah men's men's soccer um yeah i'm so excited to see them play in the olympics and everyone was like no. this is why this is why espn's out of touch like oh, they one it's it's like not the most important uh national team tournament by far um uh, right. two they didn't even qualify it was that the, yeah, ESPN's just, got a little ways to go in some it, departments. I, I, I think even worse, though, too, that just shows you how out of touch even people who are supposed to be following sports right. are with soccer still here in this country. It's like right. everybody wants to jump on this bandwagon of the you know the men's national team right now because mm-hmm. of how they're trending upwards. But like I'm still like at the point and maybe this is a hot take and maybe this is gonna get me some hate from some of those, you know, fanboys and stuff, but like pump the brakes a little bit. Like I yep. don't think we're even close to there yet. And no, I mean No, and, no. And, CONCACAF and, is not a good barometer at all, man. No, and I will even say that win over Mexico in that tournament, the Nations League, that just all of a sudden popped up this mm-hmm. year out of nowhere, I think is the worst thing to happen to the US because like that gives us, I think, some sort of false hope that where we're, you know, sort of where we need to be. And I don't yeah. think we are. I think a loss to Mexico in that game wakes us up a little bit more to prepare for qualifying. Um, mm-hmm. You look at the Gold Cup. Yeah, the Gold Cup, we look good. You know, there's some players who are really promising, who are playing really well. But again, like, it, it's, it's yeah, so tough I to struggle. where we're at. I struggle with our... Uh, 
a lot with CONCACAF. Like, really, like, until a couple of years ago, even Canada wasn't good competition. Mm-hmm. Um, now they're starting to seem like, okay, like, we've really got a strong third player here uh, with right. kind of Costa Rica falling off from their golden generation. Um, but the rest of it, you look at it, and it's like, like you know, maybe- we've got... We've got a lot of countries that are pretty much similar to just playing Andorra or San Marino every um, every couple games. You know, you, you've got like all these Caribbean islands. Like, power to them for putting together as good of a team as a lot of them do. But right, they're not. Some of these countries are not even in the millions of people. They're you know a couple hundred thousand, which is it's no, not I, a lot on the world stage. And you know, sort of when I'm like looking at a a team the U.S. is playing, and I'm like, wait a second, are they in the Caribbean? Are they in, like, you know, like, it's just, like, some of these nations are so tiny, and just to go off your point, too, like, yeah, it's awesome to see them competing at this level, but when they're going against the U.S., like, yeah, we should be beating these guys. Like, like, where's where's yeah. the competition in that? Um, did, it's, who did the, did the United States play? Was it Martinique that they played the other night? Um, um, I think they beat him like 6-1. Six, six, like, I remember sitting down before that game and just thinking to myself, like, man, if they don't just, like, absolutely pummel a team like this on the regular, right. like, it's just not... Well, you look at the game against Haiti, the first game, like, yeah, they won it. But Haiti should have either drew that game or maybe even won that game. Like Haiti had the more chances, and again, you're seeing Matt this res- this surgence of Matt Turner, you know, the New England Revs goalkeeper who's just come out of nowhere to mm-hmm. be this fantastic guy between yeah. the posts against Canada but, the uh, other night. Yeah, right, that was like, that was like that again. saved them the game. I I saw so many situations where Canada should have had an easy goal. But yeah, Matt Turner came up to to uh, quite literally save the day. Um, I just want to quickly like let's let's take a look here. So Canada actually had about double the shots that the United States did. A little more than that, actually. They had fourteen. The United States six. Thirteen mm-hmm. chances created to the United States seven. So yeah. it's definitely from a statistical standpoint, it would not look like the United States came out in front. Obviously, thanks to Shaq Moore uh, with his, what, 20-something second goal, which is right. the fastest, I believe, in the United States history. Um, absolutely insane. Like, unless <laughs> if we hadn't had had that, I don't know if we would have come out on top, which, like, oh, yeah, I think no. that that just goes right back to our point. Like, even Canada, we should be beating regularly, handedly. Uh, you know, we can talk about the lineup all you want. Um, mm-hmm. It definitely wasn't our uh, first choice lineup compared to, um, you know, they had Kyle Laren still playing for them. Um, like they didn't have Jonathan David, but, uh, you know, it's they still still a pr- pretty decent lineup. So, right. I yeah, don't know, I don't... man. It, it's it's so tough. And w- when I was watching the Euros, I was just thinking, like, look at this team from Czech Republic. Look how good they are. Mm. Like the U.S., I don't even think is on the standards with like a team like Czech Republic. No. Definitely not on the standards with a team from Denmark. Like it, we're just just so far away. And I mean, yeah, we we should qualify for the next World Cup. We should qualify for every World Cup when you look at CONCACAF. Like, there's no excuse. And I know we beat this into the ground, like, you know, all the time when we lost to Trinidad-Tobago and didn't qualify for 2018. But, like, it it just, again, there's no excuse. But even if we do make the World Cup, we make it out of the group, and then then what happens? We're treading water, you know what I mean? When we should be trending more so it's never a very convincing uh group stage progression either you know it's like a lot of ties um i like i i never feel like i never feel comfortable we never we're never completing uh a a lot of attacking um development as well like you know we're we're getting one nil victories at best in a lot Mm -hmm. of these games um but yeah man you know uh we're talking a lot about the united states men's national team who are playing in the gold cup but um the women's team started their journey in the olympics um and i think I want to kind of focus on something that's a little more you know like sure they lost but like I'm 
Look, I, I think the one thing we can take away from the last five or six Oh, yeah, we'll say maybe even the last decade of women's soccer is that the rest of the world is starting to care. Oh, yeah. Um, so, you know, mm. even though we lost to Sweden, I see that as a, a you know, it's it's good, I think, for the United States women's national team in some in some ways because it lights a fire under them. Um, I don't think we're going to see them be that... Um, docile in a way for the next couple games they're mm-hmm. you know they got a lot of good players they're definitely gonna gonna show what they're worth but um i think it's just it's a good a good takeaway is that the rest of the world is certainly getting better you know we mentioned that earlier in the year when we talked about uh the professional league in england and how they're starting to be able to uh, draw some of the players from the nwsl right. so big things but um the the sort of sad thing i wanted to talk about is that the, the, the reception of that loss. Um, and I've mm. seen so many men who I think are proving that to them, it's not about like quality of play or anything like that. They're just misogynists. You know, like I've seen so many men who are just in the comments going, ha, I hope they lose the rest of their games or like they deserve to lose or just like, it's just, it's disgusting. It's disturbing. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've seen any of that, man, but like, it's just it really drove home that point to me. Yeah, no, it's social media and, and it's, we're, we're focusing here, of course, on the United States women's national team. But mm-hmm. I think even with any sport, like you look at it, even with like the WNBA and all this stuff, and even just at the club level with the NWSL here as well, it's like people are just jumping on social media, you know, behind these anime little pictures or pictures of Ronaldo or pictures of Messi or some guy in a Manchester United shirt um, and just attacking like these women in the sport for no reason. And I I just, it frustrates me to no end. And I saw a couple, um, you know, soccer pundits here in the US and, you know, just kind of making comments like, hey, like this has got to stop, mm. um, you know, like and people are, you know, talking about this along with the fact they're taking a knee and like it's, it's just this never ending cycle on social media, especially Twitter. Um, oh. That just it's 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 a cesspool, man. And that's it's, a, it's, it's bad for my mental health to to and, scroll and, through and, Twitter some days. And, and out of all sports, and maybe it's because soccer is the most global out of them all. Mm. It just feels like the comments surrounding soccer, albeit you know, with the misogyny with the United States women's um, national team, or even after the Euro finals with um, England and the race, racial abuse that those three players for England, you know, Saka, Rashford, and Sancho mm. um, really faced um, because of the PK loss and them missing the penalty right. kicks. And it, it just, just seems like people miss the point sometimes, like, too. Like, be, no, people, yeah. people, like, Rashford did so much for the country during and to this day uh, right. with the pandemic. And, and that all of that goodwill and even when he was doing it, I don't know why, but I definitely remember him getting some criticism. And it, it's just like, you know, at the end of the day, you're supposed to support your country. And it, I actually heard I was listening to um, the Abroad in Japan podcast, which really has nothing to do with football. But one of the hosts, Pete Donaldson, um, he has a pretty big time show. Um um, I think it's the football total football ramble or something like that. And they mm-hmm. were talking about that. And he said it's just it, it seems to him like the the hooliganism of the 90s and I think even the, the late 80s just to this day still exists. And it, it, it has almost more of a political tilt than it ever did. Um, and, you know, he, he's noticing that himself, that it's just these these players cannot catch a break no matter what they do. And right. it doesn't seem to get through to these people that it's a game and you need to treat people with respect. And, and, and I will go on to that point and say, I think it's gotten even worse now because of social media, because people mm. can do these things and say these things in secret yeah. and not feel, I mean, almost feel more feel empowered like, sometimes. Exactly. I think they more, do more empowered because they know chances of them getting caught or getting in trouble, at least I guess in trouble as in like 
back in the 80s and 90s, if you're a hooligan, if you're doing these things at the game or towards the player in person, chances are there's going to be more of a response from people mm-hmm. trying to stop it. Unfortunately, and you know, this is kind of maybe getting off topic, but social media companies aren't really doing much to try to enforce or stop this sort of racial abuse on Instagram, on Twitter, even on Facebook that a lot of these players are facing. Um, I know this past season, all the Premier League clubs or a lot of clubs around the world too did that like weekend of just going offline, going in the dark in support of, you know, these players um, that are facing the racial abuse. And it's just, Yeah, it's in in my opinion, I think it is worse just because nobody can really face the consequences of what they're saying or what they're doing. It's it's impossible to have them in. How do you fix it? Like where where do you begin to try to fix it? Um, I don't even know. No, I you know, I wish I could say that it's it's about doing more of these campaigns that they've been on. But um at the end of the day, sometimes it seems like even those campaigns, the you know anti-racism campaigns, just lead to, to more criticism, more blatant racism. Um, maybe in right. some ways that's good because it it uh, it identifies who those people are a little bit easier. And um, some clubs have taken action to uh, make sure that those fans can no longer be a part of the club. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know if that's enough. I don't know. I wish I could say I knew the answer, but I, I certainly don't. No. Um, but you know, I think there are people who are definitely out there and working to make those changes that know better than us. So, um, hopefully they continue to make those efforts and we're going to continue to support them in those. Um, so, uh, I also kind of wanted to talk a little USL news today. Uh, we got some big things from a place we've both lived that I think we'd like to discuss a little. Um, so we have mentioned on this podcast a couple times and also on Twitter, uh, about the new franchise of USL League One in Portland, Maine. And mm-hmm. we got some juicy new news from them, didn't we? We kind of were worried for a little that, you know, it, maybe things had stalled a little, but it doesn't seem yeah. that way. No, it, it, it felt kind of dead for a bit. You know what I mean? Like there's mm. big news, I think last year, middle of last year, someone um, towards the end of the year, things really seemed like they're going well, they're in motion. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden there's just like no news for like probably like six months, like since the beginning yeah. of this year until about now. But um, the USL there in Portland or the um, people trying to bring the USL club to Portland um, mm-hmm. proposed the stadium at two locations. To yeah, the do you want me to Portland share that? Yeah, let's pull this we'll up it, right we'll now. Put it on audio, the screen. audio listeners. Um, Yet another you, reason you should uh, follow us on YouTube. Yep. I will describe it to you in vivid detail. Don't you worry. Okay, um, let me let me get this bad boy going here. But yeah, no, I I like the proposal, and it seems like the the city of Portland likes this proposal too. Um, at the end of the day, I guess it all just comes down to you know finances and um that's always the hardest part when you're talking about building a stadium um yeah also how the heck does you know a club that's not even around in portland yet be more sort of proactive about building their own stadium than a club like the new england revs (laughs) that's a a great i you know i hadn't even thought about that but you know what i will say um i think it, it i think it comes down to the emphasis right now that USL is putting on, I, you know, I read an article from a couple of years ago today just about uh, what USL was envisioning. Um, it was actually, I think it was an interview with um, the CEO of USL, Alec Papadikas, if I pronounce that correctly. Um, uh, and, and his whole perspective was that, you know, they, he had X amount of teams in their own stadiums right now. And by, this right. year, I think it was 2019, he had mentioned that he wanted to see, you know, a much larger majority of them. And that continues mm-hmm. to happen. I mean, we've seen um, very recently, you know, the Colorado switchbacks getting into their new stadium. Um, what is it? Spokane right now. That's uh, I think that's the new market that they're putting together. If you could so. Google that real quick, that would be extremely helpful. I yeah, know Justin me... Papadikas was um, talking about that in, in great detail. 
But as you can see here, uh, this is a render of the Portland Stadium, which I think, I don't know the intended capacity. I, I read through the whole article, but I don't believe I saw that anywhere. Oh, it is Spokane, uh, by the way. It's You're, Spokane. Yes. Great. Uh, it was back at the beginning of March that yeah. there's more movement about stadium talks and stuff like that. Um, and it should be noted that I think that Spokane Stadium, they were very specific on the fact that it's downtown. And that seems to be the push from USL as well to make sure that they're accessible um, oh, stadiums. Yeah. Because they have to be. I mean, yeah. you're, the whole, and we've you know talked about this numerous times with numerous people and in, even involved in the USL, is it's community engagement. Community yep. engagement. If your stadium's in the middle of nowhere where people who might not have a car and people mm -hmm. don't have access to the public transportation, can't get to it, how are you driving the community in? You're not doing that. And so yeah. that's like one of the greatest things out of many things I think the USL is doing is really driving across, even as far as with the stadiums, that we want this to be able to be for the community. Um, yeah, and, and you know, I think that brings us to the, the Portland Stadium. So um, they did narrow it down to about two options, um, mm -hmm. both of which are sort of, uh, you know, they, they, they gave two different locations, but they're sort of the same location. It's the Back Cove. Um, if you're not familiar with Portland, Maine, um, the kind of like city part of it is really what they call the peninsula. So that's got the, the old port, um, kind of all the old buildings. Mm -hmm. uh, don't really know how to better describe that, but if, let me actually pull up a map of Portland, Maine, just to, just to visualize this for, for all you folks out there. So if I can scroll in a little bit here, this is the peninsula, right? So, right. Yep. um, this is kind of the main city part of it. Once you get out here, it's more suburbs. So the intention, I believe is to so there's right by this is one potential yeah yeah is for one potential stadium mm -hmm. uh location and then the other i believe is fitzpatrick which is right here they would renovate it um remove the running track that goes around it which i thought wasn't I was so stoked. Like it's it's such a minor detail, but I was so stoked to hear that like they were thinking about that. Like, how many stadiums have you seen where they're just totally ruined by having a, a running track around it, like keeping the stands farther away? Is, is, isn't the one in Rome or something like yeah. that? The, the yeah, yeah, that's one what I, I was thinking think of. Is, is the the one in Rome? And it's just the. In no offense, but because it's a, it's probably a beautiful stadium. Um, regardless but still like when you're watching it or even if like you go there for a game you just feel so like more removed from the game yeah. when you have that running track going around the field um i mean mm -hmm. if you're going to the game looking to get in a 5k real quick you know for the first 45 minutes yeah great but great but like most if people want to be closer to the action there. good luck <laughs> right. i mean if you want to run on the pitch why are you going to a field with a running track you know what i mean yeah. you want to be right up on it so um so no, i'd I say oh sorry go ahead man i'll yeah, let you no speak no your mind. I, I i love the back cove one and any mm. stadium that can be built near the water i think is fantastic um for those of you who don't know the other one um fitzpatrick is right literally next door to where the portland sea dogs play the minor league baseball team of the red the claws Boston as well. red sox the main it's the, oh, the main Celtics, the Celtics now. I was going to say yeah, yeah. it used to be the Red Claws, but the main Celtics play around there as well at the Portland Expo. And then behind that, you have the interstate, um, which is fine. You know, it's very city-esque, mm -hmm. but I, I think if you can build that on the back cove near that little, I don't know what you call it, an inlet of the ocean, um, I think would be awesome. Um, it would yeah. be cold. It would be very cold in the winters, um, but... I think the one point I would like to make about, if you were to put it in the back cove, um, mm -hmm. I think it's slightly more walkable. The only point I'll make about both locations, where I think they both share, is that 
parking's already not easy for a Sea Dogs game, the the local oh, minor yeah. league baseball team. Ooh, yeah. So I'm concerned about how they envision that to work out. I know there's going to be a lot of suburban individuals coming in. Um, I mentioned on a Reddit thread that there was this plan to build. I don't know how far it's ever going to get, but there was right. a plan to build a light rail kind of running, I think, out through Forest Ave to Westbrook. Um, and kind of making its way in there, which would be great for that, but I doubt it'll ever happen. So no. for right now, I think the best bet is if you are trying to alleviate any sort of traffic, um, you would put it back Cove because it's more walkable. And if you're trying to pull as many fans as possible from the peninsula, then they right. should be able to walk. Secondarily, man, and I think what we would both agree is the best part about putting it here is if you notice, you got a brewery here, but wait, folks, that's not all. You've got another brewery here. There is, I believe, a brewery right around. There's uh, the Portland Zoo is technically a bar, but I think they also do some beers. Uh, I'm trying to find Lone Pine, and you got Bellflower up there. Yeah, yeah, Urban Farm, uh, Lone Pine, Good Fire, all right here. So there is plenty of um, locations to do a little pre-match celly at. Uh, Kennedy Park right down here. Um, you might have actually, if you are, even if you're not you know, familiar with Portland, you might have heard about Kennedy Park FC and that whole story, which is um, kind of an interesting development in the Portland soccer scene as well. So yeah, it would be a great location, especially if there's any plans on you know really getting supporters group involved. Um, mm-hmm. my vote's certainly for the back cove, but that may take 100%. a little more than just retrofitting Fitzpatrick. Yeah, no, that, that would be a little bit more higher price tag and, um, yeah, city of Portland like the idea. Um, it all sort of depends now, uh, how much they like it, I guess. Um, yeah. So I, I mean, I think they the- are, they're estimating a cost of 10 to 12 million, um, pocket change. This is also interesting that they the group is looking for a long-term lease or rental agreement with the city. So uh, that's a little concerning to me that it seems like they're relying a little bit on the city getting that built, but hard to say, man. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it's that that puts a lot of pressure, too, maybe too much pressure on the city. And um, as we know from living there, Portland is not the most uh efficient city when it comes to cost so who knows man uh it's it, regardless it is so exciting especially for that part of the united states um because as both of us know that there is a very you know strong football culture um in that area mm-hmm. that never really sort of gets looked at and goes under the radar no. i think um and so to be able to, you know, bring a club to that area, I think would be awesome. I think it would be, you know, sort of a hidden gem, you could say, in yeah. you know, the support th- that you would see. I think I, I also kind of, I this was just something I, I thought of just now. Um, if they get a stadium like that built, it may actually end up benefiting more than just uh, whatever USL club comes to Portland. Um, right. what, I don't know their name yet, so I can't really say, but... Uh, there are teams that compete in USL too. I believe the, uh, Seacoast United Phantoms or however, whatever they're called. I think they, they play in USL too. It's either USL two or NPSL. Currently, I believe they play, um, I, you know, honestly no idea, but my point is they would have <laughs> likely the opportunity to play there. So it could be a situation like orange County and, and LA force where, um, you know, a great facility gets shared between a couple different teams and hopefully rises the profile of both. So, definitely, um, yeah, it's it, kind of my closing thought awesome. on that. And I mean, no matter where this USL team from Portland lands, hmm. in other exciting news of the USL, there is a chance you could potentially see, and there's a chance, ready, drum roll, you could see whatever club lands there. Um, in the USL championship before. Whoa, um, Carl, slow down, slow down, slow whoa. down, slow down. Carl, hold on, hold on. What is this? What are you talking about here? What, what, what kind of crazy witchcraft would allow that to happen? So there's something that's used throughout the world, throughout the world. This is going to blow your mind, Cameron. It's called Pro-Rel. 
I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Let me explain it to you. So when a team or a club has a really, really successful season and they do really well, like really well, and maybe the top two, top three, top four, how many ever you want to decide, they get moved up to the higher division to kind of, you know, celebrate their success. When there's a club or clubs that do really, really, really bad, they get sent down into timeout, kind of punishment for doing bad. And even bigger news, Cameron, it seems like the USL is going to be voting on some sort of pro rel system coming up this year. Unbelievable. Yeah, no, I saw this report from um, Jeff. I'm sorry, Jeff, but Jeff Router, maybe that's, I think that's his last. Jeff R. Let's call him Jeff R. Jeffy, Jeffy boy. Um, Yeah, he reported a little info about the the USL midseason meeting. Um, And it looks like one of the things they will be talking about um, is the, is a potential vote for a uh, kind of, um, self-contained promotion and relegation. Um, also on the docket, I believe, was a potential switch from the current. Um, what would you call it? Like just a summer schedule to summer schedule, Euro- yeah, yeah, to your European calendar, um, mm-hmm. which has a myriad of issues. Um, as we are very versed, well versed with coming from the Northeast, mm. but curious. Yeah. Uh, I want to hear your thoughts on the promotion and relegation. Maybe what you think the stipulations may be of that, if it was to come to fruition, um, yeah. really, you know, we don't have much to go off of, but we can dream. We can dream. I think it's awesome. <laughs> I, I don't know if I should leave it at that. Um, but there, there, no, 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 Carl. This is called Touchline Takes. We need you to just come up with something here. <laughs> um, no, I've been thinking a lot about this since um, since I saw the news. Um, I've actually been losing sleep. You know, I'm, I'm, I've just I've been breaking out into cold sweats just out of excitement. Um, I think. Not only is it awesome on a whole mm. number of levels, um, I think something like this, and I'm, I'm, I would put so much money I have on it being successful anyways, no matter what way they set it up, um, you know, because you, you have the USL Championship, USL League One, USL League Two. And no matter how they set it up, where it's the top three teams, top two teams get bounced around, um, maybe it's the top two teams and then they do like what they do in England with the playoff tournament, mm. anything like that, um, which I would be yeah. totally for. Um, I think I think they would uh, ownership, I think, would take very well to the, the playoff structure. I, li- I mm. like that idea, like relegation and promotion playoffs, you know. Maybe right. maybe even nothing would be guaranteed. Like I could see, I don't know what league does this, but I'm pretty sure there's one that does. Um, you know, like you do the relegation playoffs, right? And then there's the promotion playoffs, and then whoever like whoever yeah. lost the relegation playoff, they play the winner of the promotion playoff, and whoever wins that is the one that either stays or moves up. So so I I can see that. I, I, I like that idea, but now that I think about it more, um, it might be an issue with the USO because of travel costs. I don't think you could have mm. a full league where it's just basically whoever finishes up on top, you know, the top two spots, because how it's set up now, you have different co- conferences um, yep. and then they go to a playoff and then from the playoff, you know, they figure out. I think maybe That's because true. of travel costs, because of finances, you couldn't Balancing really do that. the two conferences out, yeah. Right. Um, well, so I guess it's not two anymore. It's like three or four. four, or four. Like I think four. it's like four or three, something yeah. like that. But um, that might be tough. But even more so, I think that the USL is not only talking about this because I think partially maybe be, um, with the new MLS you know, sort of development league starting. Mm-hmm. I think they might feel pressured to not really do something crazy, but kind of take a step themselves to be like, okay, like we need to kind of make improvements um, and try to do something that's going to separate us more from the MLS. 
I also think that if the USO can prove this successful, mm-hmm. maybe does it put pressure on the MLS to be like, hey, this looks like it's successful. It looks like it's working really well down in the USL. Maybe we want in on this too. That's a wild thought. I doubt it'll ever happen because the MLS is so within themselves and so sort of, you know, all about them that they probably don't care about it. Um, I would like yeah. to see Nisa maybe involved. I doubt that will happen because Nisa, they have their own feelings towards the USL and the MLS. Yeah. So I think but, um, that, that actually raises a good point. Uh, you know, with with this this structure, if it is implemented, which I think it'll probably be put off a couple of years. Right. I think there will be one. I think you got to make sure they're meeting PLS for a second tier team. That's going to be I don't know how they're going to get around that with some of the smaller markets. I mean, Tormenta, not sure how they're going to make it up to the championship because I'm pretty sure they don't qualify based on their. Uh, metro population um i i guarantee you i you know i know you said you're not sure about it but i almost guarantee there will be playoffs if only for the ability to market those playoffs Mm -hmm. um for some of the lower you know the relegation playoffs and the promotion playoffs um secondarily your point about uh well actually first i'd like to say i know there have been some rumblings about maybe usl2 becoming a a year-long league I don't see that being included in the pyramid at first, but maybe down the line, I think it was very specific that this was just going to be the professional teams. Um, As for Nisa, that's actually a good segue. Uh, Today we saw that uh, Ron Patel was uh, tasked with being in charge of uh, Nisa Nation now, which is cool in a couple ways because it shows that, you know, they're willing to put manpower uh, in front of that whole operation. This isn't just, you know, a little pet project. Um, this is serious, which, uh, I, I tweeted that on, uh, you know, on our account and, uh, Nisa was, yeah, follow us, please. Uh, Nisa was very excited, you know, to announce that. Uh, and I think we, as in the general community, we all are as well. It just goes to show that this is something that's here to stay. Uh, and Ron Patel is, I think, a, a really good hire. Um, former president of Rio Grande Valley FC so he's he's got some experience in that world um, and I, I you know we've continued to um, you know praise this whole development and the 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 leagues that have kind of joined up with Nisa Nation Nisa mm-hmm. in general um, you know I don't know how long it's going to be until we we see an actual pro rail structure on that side of things but um, as we've mentioned before it's just what we're starting to see, and I think more so now because of the USL rumblings, uh, mm-hmm. rumors, whatever you want to say, we're starting to see the structure in place for at least a pro rel from amateur all the way up to D2. If if there was any future merger between Nisa and USL, which is obviously far-fetched, there's right. quite a few differences between the two, but... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very curious to see how this Nisa Nation thing works out. I know they're going to try to regionalize it at first. It'll probably be some kind of voluntary promotions. I don't think we'll see um, a structure where, you know, the all the teams that are originally put in Nisa Nation are merit-based. It's it's likely going to be just teams who are ready to make that jump. Right. Um, it's it's exciting, man. I, I, I hope they I hope a big element of it is a lot of training. I know mm-hmm. that Nisa is not heavy-handed when it comes to that in, in D3 right now, just because of the nature of how they want to operate. It's very independent. But I think Nisa Nation will be a little more heavily focused on developing clubs themselves, the the, the leadership structures, the operation structures. Um, academies? Don't know. Yeah. It, it, maybe down the road, who knows. But it's... I I just wish that we were able to see like, you know, and maybe in the next few years we can really start to see it more. But like how these clubs in, you know, these Mm. uh, in the USO compete against what everybody looks at as the MLS. I mean, unfortunately, and this is kind of bring us to our next point, the US Open Cup canceled once again, which is just, you know, uh, I slap in the face for a lot of these lower level teams 
because a, a lot of these teams in the USL, in NISA, are chomping at the bits, trying you know, to get recognition competing against these MLS clubs because they, mm-hmm. they want to prove they, you know, it's almost, you know, they got a chip on their shoulder. They want to prove that, Hey, just because you guys in the MLS want nothing to do with us doesn't mean we're not competitive players that we're not competitive clubs that we can't mm-hmm. compete with you. And it just, I don't know who made officially the final call if it was, you know, the United States Soccer Federation or whatever to cancel this this year. Yeah. But like it it just we all know how in cahoots they are with the MLS. Like, are they afraid? Like, are there's some theories out there, man? There's some theories that, uh, you know, USSF is really trying to kill off the the Open Cup. Uh, I know some people received a sort of. A questionnaire into their 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 email inbox and one of the questions being would you how would you feel if not all professional teams had to compete in the open cup which to me sounds like eh, we're just going to drop off the mls teams they don't have to compete if they don't want to no and it... yeah that's that's sketchy to me man like this this competition has way more history than any league in the United States and it's exactly it's not getting the respect it deserves at all no and the, these teams in the USL and NISA continue not to get the respect they deserve as well mm-hmm. like not only is this a they've had to create the their own cup right. the independent now, cup not only is this a slap in the face you know to history and you know basically the sport in this country pretty much just writing off the u.s open cup but it's a slap in the face to all these clubs and all these players that are like you know screaming from the mountaintops continuously we can compete let us Mm -hmm. compete let us play let us prove our point let us show you that we're not far off from the mls teams and you know it's it's the most frustrating thing to see I think this it's happen. also it's also sad because I think for a lot of these clubs in the lower leagues it provide especially if the the MLS teams playing away to that club mm-hmm. provides them a great marketing opportunity a great ability to get some gate receipts and it's it's not going to happen I mean and I think I think it would be good for a lot of uh, these MLS teams and players to go to some of these places. I mean, you know, to have an MLS team go travel to Colorado Springs, Louisville, um, and see the types of stadiums that lower league soccer has now and, and just experience that. I mean, I know it's not it's not going to change anyone's mind about anything, but I think it would be a good, and especially if there was uh, a heavy broadcast presence for these I think it would be amazing, man. Like it's it's we're getting to the point where the U.S. Open Cup could be so much more, especially if it was invested in and the prize money was better. But we're just we're not seeing it. I think, especially in a time where. Oh, sorry, man. No, no, but just what other sport could you see something like this happen, especially in the United States? No mm. other sport could you get sort of a competition of this level. Like we, people in this country die over college basketball and March Madness when, you know, a 16 seed upsets a one seed or when yep. like people love the underdog. What better of a competition, what better of a story than to have the U.S. Open Cup, have a Nisa side like, you know, Detroit. City FC have a USL side like El Paso go in there and knock off Atlanta United knock off FC Cincinnati like mm-hmm. what a better story you know it's and I think we're closer I mean I got I've got Rochester Rhinos scarf right here one of the only teams well the only team but outside of MLS in the MLS era to win the United States Open Cup and I think you know, we went in the other direction where that was getting harder for for teams to do, but I think we're slowly getting back in the direction where it's feasible again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's still obviously it's extremely difficult, um, right. but I think I think we got a chance, and, and maybe not a Detroit City. Who knows? Maybe they could, but uh, you know, like a Lou Lou City, they could potentially Definitely. do it. And Definitely. it's just it, it needs to be marketed. And I think in the age of you know, like the FA Cup is losing steam. Um, Copa del Rey losing a lot a lot of these domestic cup competitions are losing steam in Europe and I think we have the best opportunity to make our open cup uh, a top priority you know it's it, I, I think you're right. It, it really speaks to the energy of, uh, you know, March Madness. And it just needs to be marketed correctly. And there needs to be a little more money in this thing. It's... 
I, I don't know, man. Se- se- seriously, it, it's just. Wait, I have a weird take for you. I want. Right, I want to. I want to hear. I want to hear this. Give it to me. Uh, what if college teams were allowed to play in the U.S. Open Cup? I I don't know. Um, <laughs> personally, my opinion, I hate it. I'm also one, <laughs> okay. I'm also one of the people who's very passionate about the fact. I think that a lot of these college players who go to college to play, and I mean nothing against them, but I feel like we should have more of a system in this country where right. themselves as teenagers, if they're talented enough, are able to jump into youth academies, are able mm-hmm. to get developed. Because I feel like when you're coming out at 21, 22 years old from college, like, yeah, we have developed, we have seen some college players play competitive, like on either the national squad or, you know, for clubs in the MLS clubs in Europe. But I think you're, you're losing three to four years of development competing against some of the top teams when you're going to college. Um, mm. I know that that itself might be kind of a hot take and some people, you know, and I'm I'm seriously not trying to offend anyone who went and had a successful college career. I know there's some great programs like at the University of Maryland. I know there's a great program. North Carolina, there's a great program. Duke, Um, yeah. Duke. But I I just feel like those three to four years that these players are in college they're losing that step of development where you know they need to be competing and training at um and i don't feel like they get that i I think that's also a criticism of uh mls d3 that you know they're going to be playing against much younger players less stronger players it's not the best competition that they could get like Mm -hmm. they're currently getting in usl championship you know they may not be winning but they are having to compete with people who are stronger, better, faster, and more experienced. And I think that's, if we want to draw an equivalency, I think we're starting to see that with the NBA G League. Um, You know, you're you're putting guys up against seasoned pros rather Mm -hmm. than just, you know, 18-year-olds. And that's invaluable. So it's it's difficult to see that. Um, And you know what also is invaluable, Carl? Uh, H2O. We, We need it to live... And we need it to play sports. Unless this podcast you play was for... sponsored by Purified Water from Giant Eagle. <laughs> yep. And if unless you play for Atlanta United, then um, your water intake is very limited. So this was a story that broke uh, a couple days ago. That uh, <laughs> while at, while Gabriel Hines was still the head coach of Atlanta United, he's he's since been released. Um, he limited the intake of water for his players. Uh, and, you know, there had been a lot of questioning around why Joseph Martinez was not in the fold as much as he, he had been. Club legend. I mean, where what the heck oh, was going 100%. on? Turns out this guy was just nutso, uh, not letting players, you know, drink as much water as they wanted. Like, just really weird stuff. So this made the rounds a couple days ago, and the memes were... That's... Mm. I can't even imagine. That's... <laughs> I mean, not only was Atlanta, like, what a drop-off, unfortunately. Like, they go mm-hmm. from, um, what's his name, DeBoer, who somehow, mm-hmm. so they have, uh, what is the, the Mexican national team coach's name? Oh, Tata, 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 Oh my God, this is killing me. I, I know I, this. I, it's driving me crazy. But regardless, he was the coach. I mean, expansion club comes out of nowhere, you know, wins the MLS championship. He leaves, and they've gone through, what, three or four coaches since then? Like, not yeah. being able Tata, to, like... Tata Martino. Martino, that's it. I want to see, like, Tatino, but uh, I was close. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, unfortunately for Atlanta United, um, if we're also talking about great hires in the MLS, uh, Charlotte just hired, um, I believe couple weeks ago they made their hire for head coach um i cannot remember this guy's name off the top of my head but while you're doing that i want to make one one other uh, point so they also atlanta united players were also not allowed their cba mandated days off so (laughs) this guy was just a a complete jerk to the players and i am glad they they got rid of that 
So, so uh, Miguel Angel Ramirez is now the coach, at, will be the coach at Charlotte FC. Um, oh my cool. goodness. It, I, I am so excited about this. He coached down in South America for a little bit. Um, he took the Ecuadorian side down in South America um, to the uh, Copa Sudamericana. Yeah. Um, and then he went to Independiente in Brazil and where he was let go after like five games. But don't read into that too much because that's common in Brazil. <laughs> that is so common in um, yeah. in Brazil City. Uh, if I mean, I think Flamengo is like on their sixth coach since like they won the Copa Libertadores like two years mm-hmm. ago. Um, I would love <laughs> to see the CVs of some Brazilian managers. Um, speaking of the Copa Lib, did you see what happened when Boca Juniors get knocked yeah. out? So they get knocked out against uh, Atletico. Oh man, a club, a club in Brazil. Um, I got you. And they get knocked out by them. And eight at, after the game, I think eight player or eight members of Boca Juniors from. You know, the board from coaches, from players got arrested because of clashes with fans and clashes with the refs after the game. <laughs> and it's just like, I think just this morning they were able to like leave, but like it, it's just it, the, the passion. I love it, man. That's what makes football down in South America so wonderful. It was uh, Atletico Monero. Monero, yes, that's it. Yeah. Monero. Um, speaking of that, like Romero, I'm, I'm pretty sure Hulk is there, um, which is fascinating to see Hulk him just, back. I mean, he's just yeah, he's he's there. He had where, Blast where was he last? Past. Was he in? Was he, he was in China? China, yeah, Shanghai. He was in, he was in China for a yeah. long time. Yeah, I know. I can't even remember where he was before then, but the guy. Yep. I think this is actually the second time in a little while we've talked about Hulk. So if you can't tell, (laughs) great player. Great player. We love Hulk. Um, But no, man, it's uh, a lot of of exciting stuff's happening, as always with this sport, um, across the globe. Um, I am really looking forward to see what develops with not only this USL to Portland, what they decide with the stadium, but also with this potential for pro rel we didn't touch too much on the change to the european season Mm. i'm indifferent on it i mean i understand the concerns um you brought up a great point earlier off the pod though that um some of those concerns are of course the winters in the north and the northeast um for some of the clubs but when you have the schedule like this you have that summer weather in new mexico you have that summer weather in el paso two different ends of the spectrum weather-wise. I mean, you're still dealing with the mm-hmm. same stuff. Um, I don't know. I've, you know, personally never played in hot or cold weather, so I can't say, like, what's worse to play in um, or what's worse for the players to play in. Um, but it should be interesting to see what they decide. I think the ch- the shift to a European schedule is probably more apt to happen before any sort of shift to a pro rel. Um, yeah, there's just so many... Yeah, there's just so many, you know, logistical things you have to go over. Like, we, we can talk they're, in circles. Yeah, they're about. both far-fetched. I mean, uh, a lot of great points made about switching to a European calendar then puts them in competition with American football, college football. Right. Uh, yeah, so it's just not... It doesn't work great for those types of markets, but, um, you know, it, it's... I, I don't really see too many benefits of it, especially with how MLS runs and if you've got players who aspire to move up to MLS then maybe it's not the best to have two entirely different seasons but yeah man I don't know they're both they're both far out ideas but mm-hmm. as we do on this podcast we can dream we can always dream um as always guys look follow us please please follow us we're trying to be as interactive as we possibly can on twitter right now we talked about earlier doing the uh the fresh kit fridays um Mm -hmm. i want to start another one too i want to get trending save the u.s open cup 
hashtag save the U.S. Open Cup because I think talking about this and discussing this with you has really opened my mind to we need this to become a bigger thing than what it is mm-hmm. because it has so much beautiful potential. Um, so if you want to do that, at Touchline Takes, Twitter, Touchline, what is it, at Touchline underscore, underscore takes, takes on, on Instagram. Instagram. If you that, care about us not posting anything <laughs> ever. Posting, <but laughs> you you can drive up our, our follower count. We will we will if love you, you for that. Um, and take this quick moment to look for somebody out there. If you are a social media person, and you know, I hate to say this because uh, this is this is like a meme. But if you want to do it just for for fun. Because we do not make money. We are not, we cannot afford that here. And you want to help us out on Instagram? Hey, reach out. Reach we'll out. we'll, we'll let you out. take the reins. Like there, right. there is no reason why we wouldn't let somebody um, take that over. Although if you're doing a terrible job, we will. Or you're <laughs> just like posting you. dumb things that are not related, then yeah, you're out. But uh, we could really use some help on Please. that side of things. Um and, and, and like Carl said, as always, feel free to interact with us. Ask us questions, what have oh you. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk We're about nice it. people. Look at our face. We, we are nice, beautiful people. We don't bite. <laughs> also, if you want to, you know, get on and start into OnlyFans for us, we are totally open to that as well. <laughs> it's, just, it's just the sexiest, dirtiest football kits, you know, like it. Exactly. Just, it's just no us. nudity. <laughs> <laughs> no nudity. This is a family-friendly podcast, but it's just going to be Cameron and I wearing our football kits, maybe some mm-hmm. long socks, and maybe some shorts. Um, hopefully some shorts. Hopefully. <laughs> Cameron, it's been real, as always. Um, check us out, guys. Be. We have better things coming. We have one we've been holding off on for a while that we really think you're going to enjoy. It's a surprise. Mm-hmm. We're not going to ruin mm-hmm. the surprise. Follow us on YouTube. Subscribe to us. What is it? Subscribe on YouTube. That shows you it's how just, much. Just it. look up Touchline Takes. Yeah. Look subscribe. up Touchline Takes. Give us a nice like, comment, do whatever you want. Just make sure the comments are appropriate, please. Um, mm-hmm. My mom mm-hmm. watches them. I, I can't mm-hmm. have people calling me names. Does she actually, uh, Carl? I have no idea. She says no, she does, know. but then after she told me, I looked at the views and it didn't change. So... Uh, <laughs> got you mom um anyways cameron another great podcast guys please keep following keep listening we love you all see you later friends see you guys